and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host for this evening. And tonight's show is going to be called Let's Go West to the City of Kings. Now I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that. This is a work in progress show, so joining me tonight is a gentleman by the name of Frank West. So hello Frank, how are you this evening? I'm very well thank you, how are you? I'm very good, I'm very good, I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm delighted we've been able to, to sort this out so you can come on the show um, and we can have a have a little bit of a, a chat about all things cardboard and also help people understand why this episode is called, what it is called and why it is called that. Um, so for anybody that's listening for the first time, welcome aboard! Um, the reason that we do this is because, well, there's quite simply not enough podcasts about board games. Um, I've checked. There isn't. Don't check. There isn't. And the other reason that we do this is because, well, there's not enough podcasts about games called The City of Kings, really. I agree with that. I completely agree <laughs> with that one. <laughs> I thought you would be I thought you'd be on eye to eye or ear to ear with me with that. So, um... What we like to do in order to get to know people, um, because we don't find out what they're like as a person, we find out what they're like through their cardboard usage. So, um, what, as I say, what I like to do is we like to have a peek back at the past before staring at the present, and then maybe having a little kind of look into the future. So, um, what we'd like to find out is a little bit about your history with regards to the um, the old cardboard stuff. So, if you want to maybe tell us, how 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 did you get into the hobby? Frank? So I think for me I was always destined to be in the hobby, I just never quite realised it. I, When I look back, because obviously I've listened to your podcast and I know you always ask this question and I was thinking yes. about it and there's about five times in my life where I kind of think I probably should have started playing board games at that moment but I just didn't know they exist. So like when I grew up as a child, my parents and I would used to play some games as like the family. This is before the internet, before we used to do lots of video games. We used to sit at the dining room table and we used to play some games. And we would play a little bit of Monopoly and we'd play like everyone else. And we would play um, some poker and some card games. And that was about it. And that went on for a few years and then disappeared. And then when I turned 15, I was doing a graphics project for school. And my graphics project was design a board game. And of course, I didn't know anything about board games. I had no idea what board games were out there. So I did an Egyptian version of Monopoly, where I spent hours cutting little (laughs) pyramids out of cardboard. And, you know, just everything was just Monopoly with Egyptian names. And it was okay for a graphics project. (laughs) I sit there now thinking, if someone came to me now, I would just search all over the internet and like i'd realize there is more than monopoly but no one but how, okay okay let's talk about this how long does it take oh my goodness i um <laughs> i didn't sleep much as a kid and that was probably a good thing because i think just those little pyramids like i've still got it i must have cut about 80 little pyramids out and each you've one still was, you've still got it yeah it's <clears> back <throat> at my family home on the shelf out the way <laughs> do you still have any do you have any photographs of this game uh, not on me but i was thinking when i go back at christmas i should definitely get some because that's you know, i think 
Yeah, ancient ancient games. <laughs> no, I think we have to get. I think this has to be the entire focus of the, of the show. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about the city of kings then, because you know you've got your uh, your kind of your whole whole pharaoh thing going yeah, on exactly. with that. So maybe that this wasn't actually maybe just you making monopoly. For no, the it is actually this monopoly. Was, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Did you just? I mean, what did you have? Or you go to the city of kings? It's awful. Did you? Um, so did you have like the community chess card then and the chance card or did you call them something else? They all had different names. I mean, I don't Come remember on. for the life of me what they are now. But yes, every, you do. Come on, accept your feelings. Come on, Frank. Every place, every single stop was there but just had a different name. I'm not sure what I did for the train stations. I'm kind of, I'm really intrigued now. I don't know if I was clever enough to like make them camels or something or whether there was, I don't know, like... Well, I could go back at Christmas and find out there's a million dollar idea like sat on my shelf for the last 15 years, but... <laughs> you invented Catan or something like that. That's what you've been going up and games. going, oh, damn it, I invented this dice roll and there's there's various resources and stuff like that. And Oh my goodness, I just invented Settlers of Catan like so many years before it actually happened. So there's always, there's always kind of that. So you still got the pyramids. Did yep. you make the board as well? Yep, the whole thing. And the, I mean, the great thing now is it's so old that all the copyrighted imagery that I stole at the time from the internet, you probably couldn't find on the internet anymore. It's like, so, you know, you could just say, I took all those photos, it's fine. They're not from the internet. You didn't get those from, like, search engines because you find them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you've obviously, you've got some kind of emotional attachment to this because... You still have it. I mean, you didn't look at it on some kind of disgust. I mean, is it potentially... Thinking about this. Is it potentially the photograph of you on the rug as a baby thing that when you bring round a prospective partner to meet your parents for the first time, that rather than bring out the Frank West baby (laughs) album... They'll simply turn round and reach from the shelf and say, Frank was so inventive when he was younger, just look at this. Here's the board game. You'll be like, oh, for goodness sake, Mom. <laughs> you Dad, say this. I remember when I took my doing? girlfriend back for the first time, I showed it to her. So, <laughs> no, really. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I think I did it myself. I'm so proud. Yeah. Did you? Like, I've been doing this oh, for Oh, my so goodness. Long. And are you, are you still with that girlfriend? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've been with her for three years, so when I... Oh, well, back, okay, that's so that you know. It was, yeah, not a lot like of ten a, years ago. <laughs> that's, I guess that's kind of a make-or-break relationship thing, you know what I mean? It's like if, you know, if how do you test if this is true love? Well, if you show her the board game that you made, <laughs> and she doesn't kind of instantly dump you, then that means that's potentially a partner for life. I, so I think you've got you've got a keeper there, Frank. I think the three hundred ball games behind me probably is the other <laughs> slight test. Yeah, no jokes aside. When me and Frank sta- when me and Frank started talking and we kind of started the Skype call, there was the picture of Frank and there was all of the board games behind him. Um, and cl- I saw him three D Zombie Tower there. Yeah, was that right? Is that right behind up. you? Yeah. Have you played it yet? I haven't yet. No, that's one of the newer ones. So, <laughs> have you tried? Have you tried to put the tower together yet? No, no. I um, I have, that's good fun. I've got two games in here which need to be built, and that puts them on the back of the list to be played. Really? Yeah. I mean, seriously, this is. Um, I mean, um, just as a quick aside, I tried um, 
because I, you know, I, I got it and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then I tried to put it together and it is almost when you are trying to spin plates for the first time. Because <laughs> you put one bit and the rest of it falls down. You've almost like, you need four or five hands. I had to get my son to help me build it together. It is pretty much like putting up wallpaper. Oh, great. Um, it, looks, <clears throat> it looks really impressive when you kind of finally get it up there because it is a proper building. And it is strong enough to actually put structures on top of it. Wow. Like... Um, coffee tables and stuff <laughs> it's very very strong but it is a bit fiddly i've also so, got um the day to the sentence i don't know if you saw that one on kickstarter all right okay but that's okay. Um, a huge square box that comes with these big round discs that you have to put together i kind of opened the box and went you have to build it yourself and shut the box i didn't get much further than that so that's <laughs> so you made your own game <clears throat> yes and then, like your parents, and then what happened after that? So again, um, the kind of you know the board game destiny never came to me. And then after a few years, I got into Magic: The Gathering, and I played Magic: The Gathering heavily. Um, during my time playing Magic: The Gathering, I never learned about any other games or any other things. So we don't um, we don't talk about um, Magic: The Gathering on I'm, We're Not Wizards. I'm skipping past not it. Since, I'll go straight to the since, Pokemon. It's okay. Not since not since Brian Wade came on and did what he did at the end of the show. But um, <laughs> when he when he yeah, everybody knows about Brian. He's getting mentioned now. Anytime Magic comes up, we don't like him. But that's beside the point. No, but and no, and all, no. Joking aside, um, so you played Magic for a while. I mean, how how far did you, how long did you play Magic for? So I played Magic for a good five years, I would say. It was a okay. fairly long time. And what kind of um, what what at what point were you playing Magic? What decks were available at that time? So I played around kind of <laughs> I was it was fourth, fifth edition up to about ninth edition. So I don't know if they still do it with editions these days, but. That was kind of the core edition packs. I'm awful with names. So I was playing with um, Saga and Urza, I think, was the names of them. All right, okay, cool. Okay, okay, that would that would be... Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, I don't um, I don't partake. So I, I don't know either. You know, we could just guess. We'll have a look <laughs> later on, and if we, if we find out what it is, we can always stick it in the show notes, because that's what they're there for. So how many cards have you got? Ooh. How many magic cards did you end up with? Somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand. They're also still at my mum's in a box. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, there was quite a few. Of are them. they? Are they catalogued? Yep, alphabetical order in sleeves by edition, which is quite. Are ridiculous. you? Are you single sleeving or double sleeving? Um, depended on the rarity of the <laughs> oh, <yeah>. card. <laughs> And, okay, this is good. I like this. Um, and what's the rarest card you've got? Oh, I honestly, these days, I wouldn't know. Um, I had a board game Christmas party last weekend, and I have a few cards here, and someone opened a box, and um, I've got a Gears Cradle, which he said was like 200 to £300 pounds or something at the moment. So That's pretty good. I didn't tell him there was eight in the box, but, you know, apparently it's worth a few quid. <laughs> Well, that's the wedding sort of day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not, is it? Because, like, you know, weddings are about weddings are probably your th- you're probably your about 
5,000 of the cards that you've currently got <coughs> yeah. would maybe cover that. The rest of them will um, be for the guests. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to hand out magic cards. So We're going to sell these, but we're just going to hand them out instead. You can trade them in at the bar for drinks if you want, um, but they might not take them. They might, you might have to pay money. Um, so you played magic for some time, and then where did you go to from magic? Well, during magic there was the quick Pokemon card game kind of era when that came out so um, I did that more as a collection thing rather than a playing thing that disappeared quite quickly because it's Pokemon and well I was never a huge fan of Pokemon so (laughs) Um, then got to university and at university we used to do the four risk boards for a weekend you know like as you do so we played quite a lot of risk but again no one in the whole university knew anything other than Risk, apparently. And what I found interesting was about two months ago, I was back in the city where I went to university, and I was about half a mile away from the university, and there was a giant board game store that had been there for 15 years or something. So you, you, know, did, you didn't, know, I didn't know about it. So. so is that when you went out of university and you turned right instead of turning left? Pretty much. And you... <laughs> That's fantastic. So, What's the board game store called? Oh, I don't remember the name so oh. i know i'm awful with names it's terrible I, this is this isn't good this isn't this right. this might this might work this might not work it's okay because <laughs> it leads to the enigma people what university was it you went to um Thank it you. was exeter university so. exeter university which is well it's well down south isn't it yeah. that's um that's a promost approaching kind of devony cornwall Type places, isn't it? Yeah, so it's the Devon area. That type of place. So cool. Okay, so if you are a board game shop in Exeter, (laughs) and you're near a university, um, go and advertise to them. (laughs) Tell them you're there. No, exactly. Uh, We kind of know you're there. You are a board game. There are other, obviously, other board game shops available. Um, But hello to the board game shop in Exeter that we don't know what you're called. Um, So you get at university. Yep. And then you, gra- you graduate. Yeah, I'm guessing. Just about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like most people, to be honest. And then, and then what happens next? So then was the huge era of video games and trying to design video games and wanting to make a video game and okay. playing a particular game called World of Warcraft, which a few people may have heard of. You know. Um, yes. Yes, we do. Played we're aware that. of we're aware of them. Yeah, played that for quite a long time. Then decided I wanted to make my own version of the World of Warcraft, which turns out to be quite a big task. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what did you start? Off? Did you start off with one PC and kind of like game maker studio and say, right, okay, how many characters are we gonna have? And we're not gonna have orcs. Um, we're gonna have um, something similar, but not the same. <laughs> kind of trolley, trolley type people. Uh-huh. Um, we'll not have humans. Uh, we'll have kind of elves. No, we can't have elves. Uh, we could have something else. We can have guys that look like minotaurs. Oh no, we can't have that. I know pandas. No, that's not gonna work. <laughs> so the whole thing's just gonna be all over the place. So where were you going? I mean, you went to do your video game phase, and we, and World of Warcraft. So when did you slip back into cardboard? So that came back a few years later where I just happened to meet a group of people who said they were doing a video game club in Bristol, which is where I live, and then they said, we're going to alternate it between video games one week and board games the other week. And I was like, 
that sounds crazy. That's a bit weird. And um, <laughs> I went along. Is this because you were still at the phase where your idea, your exposure to board games was risk and um, making your own board game and yeah. obviously magic? So you were kind of still. I don't. I'm not aware of what board games could be. Basically. Yeah, exactly that. And I got there, and you know, it was love at first sight, and finally the the destiny kind of kicked in, and. That was the rest of my life. Within a few weeks, I had ten games, and within a few years, I had a few more than ten games. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, what was the first game that you bought? Do you remember? Um, the first few were very much kind of little party games. I expect the first one I bought was probably Werewolf, because I very quickly got into moderating Werewolf. Um, I started co-running the off weeks of the board game stuff, so I quickly picked up some of the popular party games. And then, like, big box games, I just, I couldn't tell you what the first one was. Like, it was all so quick. Like, so many happened in such a short period of time. (laughs) So you went from knowing little about the hobby to actually running the nights then? Yep, within about six weeks, so that was quite quick. That is quite quick. I'm someone who... I. When I get into something, I really get into it, and I do it quickly. And I like to know as much about it and be kind of, you know, as in it as possible. So very, very quickly I went off, looked stuff up, and I think, you know, I was playing big, big box games very quickly because I just I wanted to see how far you could go with this. What's your... Um, <clears throat> in terms of your, um, your kind of your top couple of games is there a game that you would say this is my comfort big box board game that I go back to again and again is there one that you play on a regular basis that you wouldn't do without um it varies so I have a group of about I've slowly basically converted everyone I know into a board game player so I have a group of 30 friends who live in the city who every week I invite to come and play a game and I say what game I'm going to play and it's first come first serve to sign up for it and so it varies depending on the mood so for example Eclipse I'm a big fan of Mm. playing Eclipse but when I play Eclipse it's nine of us on a Saturday that we book three to six months in advance and we're there from 11am till midnight playing like Eclipse slowly with a big group of people having food and just enjoying it. I mean, Eclipse is, I mean, that sounds like a massive, I mean, how many games do you get in? Do you just get the one game in? Yeah. Do you get a couple of games in? So we sit down and play it over 10 hours and we play it slowly to enjoy it and that's the point of Eclipse for me. You know, I wouldn't play Eclipse on a Friday night with three people to play it in a couple of hours. But yeah. twice a year, I'll play it with a group of nine people and we'll book out that Saturday and we'll just slowly play it and have lots of fun. Why is it so good? I mean, I have, I'm going to put my hands up here. And you might be able to see I'm putting my hands up or not. Um, why is it so good? I mean, te- I mean... We never talked about it, so um, what is the idea behind Eclipse and why is it so fantastic? So Eclipse is a basic kind of 4X game where you're exploring, expanding, exterminating and whatever the X is, you know, who can ever remember all four of them? (laughs) (laughs) I was going for it, I tripped at the hurdle. You did just like that, going, yep, okay. (laughs) Giving up. And um, 
you know, you start on your little hexagon and you have to expand into other hexagons, building up an army, researching science, getting better tech, growing up, and then just destroying everyone else. But it's big, it's hard, it's complex, but it's also very easy and very simple. And I think that's one of the reasons it works so well for us, because we can have people come and play who aren't huge, massive gamers who just want to, you know, come and spend a day with their mates and have a bit of fun, and they don't mm. have to take it too seriously. But then also mm. at the same time, those of us who want to take it seriously can just sit there and do the maths and do all the thinking, and you can kind of have both ends on the same game. Cool. And why does it take so long <laughs> for you to play one game? I mean, that sounds like uh, that sounds like work, Frank. It's... <laughs> It's because... That sounds like you're doing work without getting paid. <laughs> it is, because I'm teaching them how to do it. Um, oh, wow. It's because so... it's the experience. It's not the game. You can play the game quicker, but hmm. we don't want to rush through it. You know, We want to have a laugh. We want to stress people out. Like, I mean, I'll always remember one moment where we were in... A... You can have allies. You can build up teams. And when you're on a team with someone, you can move through their system. But if you move through their system when you're not on a team, then you enter into combat. And I remember saying, like, you know, we need to take a break um, to go and sort out some food and stuff and go into the other room with some people who are on the other side saying, if we wait for all of the guys on my side to get into the middle of my base and you position yourself around the outside as if you're going to attack us so they come in to defend, then I'll dump them and join you and we'll just destroy them in seconds, you know? And it's... (gasps) (laughs) It's, it's just, that kind of thing where it's just like that's awful like making tactics whilst you're eating your Chinese takeaway you know it's just it's amazing it's who would enjoy something more than that you know <laughs> is it expansions there are so we're playing with all of the expansions and all of the little expansions which don't necessarily make the game better but they just yeah. add more variety to it Let's have a look. Do you know who makes it? Is it Fantasy Flight or is it somebody else? It's somebody else. Um, and... Let's find out. Let's live it. Let's live. Google <laughs> Let's it. Let's search Going it to the Googles. So... Eclipse. Oh, this means I've got to be able to spell Eclipse. The worst thing is you've got to be able to pronounce the name of the thing because I'm not very good Eclipse at that Eclipse board one. game. <clears throat> it is designed by Tuco Audio or something. Oh my gosh. Why did I just try and pronounce that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. What have you done? <laughs> it's okay. Go on, your chance. Have you got it up? I'm not gonna no, there's no way I'm gonna you know, there's no way I'm gonna pronounce this. It's um Eclipse Board Game is actually says it's now owned by Asmodee. Yeah. Um, so you could have, <laughs> I could have just gone for that you, one. You could have gone down let's go to the Eclipse Wikipedia page. Everybody's going like this is really exciting. <laughs> um, the artist and the publisher are just as hard to say, aren't they? I mean none of them are easy. Right, okay. Um oh we okay. It's Toku eh, Taco Kalio. There we go. The illustrator is Osi Haikala and Sampo eh, Sikio and the publisher is eh, Lotta Peli dot it's Finland. That is correct. I know it's from Finland because I had to get my yes. copy imported. <laughs> The only the only reason I know this is because um, you just googled um, it. <laughs> no, no. The only reason I know this is because in my day job um, we had an inquiry from somebody with an FI domain name, and I thought because we deal with international people, I thought for a second it was potentially Fiji. Ah. 
and it wasn't until I went onto the website it was actually um, it was Finland so that's why I know what FI means it's not because I'm smart and intelligent <laughs> it's just that it happens to coincide with something that happened in kind of real life with me so it looks oh my goodness there's hexes and there's boards and there's dials and it's crazy it's huge it's it's 2011 three expansions rise of the ancients ship pack one and shadow of the rift yeah last time i counted there was about 1200 pieces in the box and i think that more have come since then like you're talking huge huge it's a big game lots of stuff yeah, but then, I mean, you're a man that's used to handling 10,000 magic cards. Yes, exactly. Or piffling, piffling 1,200. What are you, an amateur? <laughs> Let's have a look at this. this. This just looks... And I'm banging my phone against my my recording studio desk in utter excitement. And there looks... There is meeples. There's resource cubes. There's little... Is that little wooden spaceships? There's... Plastic ones in the latest versions, oh but there might goodness. have been wooden ones. This looks utterly wonderful. If you like strategy games, you know it's a slightly simpler version of Twilight Imperium. Like, is it better than is it better than Rex? It's. Oh, <laughs> that sounded like a bone of contention <laughs> to me. Ooh, do you like Eclipse? Is my favourite experience in a game. <laughs> <laughs> Eclipse's life. Um, oh, and it's not that bad. It's like, let me just see. We'll just see cost-wise. Going live to the shopping channel. <laughs> um, He's moving that cursor. Is, it's getting closer. I am moving that. I'm not. I'm actually doing it on my phone oh. because if I do it on the computer, then all you'll get on the the, the record back is click, click, <laughs> click, and it doesn't make for good podcasting at all. Not like this. Obviously, this, oh, this is amazing. brilliant podcast material. You know, this is live at five. <laughs> I've got um, six other games I need to know the price for. If you want to look close up as well. No, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're all good. We're all good. Right, fifty-five pounds. I think that's good value for the size of the that game. That is, that is good value. I mean, ten-hour games. I mean, you can't go to the cinema for <laughs> you know. Well, everybody knowing kind of buying Rogue One tickets will know how much a trip yeah. to the cinema is costing them at the moment. I wonder if they kind of like even went like a, a year ago to go and see um, The Force Awakens have gone up and went, it's gone up by how much? <laughs> it's constant, it's already constant. gone up. So yeah, basically there's a choice, right? Um, you can go, there's three of you can go and watch The Force, can go watch Rogue One at the cinema or you can buy Eclipse the board game. <laughs> And if you get nine people and you spend ten hours playing it, that's ninety hours of that play. That is in one absolutely session. ridiculous. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. So um, <clears throat> you get the Frank West seal of approval here. Eclipse, go out, try it. Frank says you'll love it. If you don't love it, then obviously we can we'll arrange that you can chat to Frank in private and he can invite you round for a twelve-hour game of Eclipse. Yeah, always um, space. <laughs> <laughs> Funny always, <that>. always <laughs> space. Bring a bottle of Seven Up, <laughs> and potentially some of those uh, salt and vinegar um, crisp things. The one that looks like chipsticks and some small they're, games. They're always nice. Small games to watch. Nice. You're waiting for your turn. <laughs> yeah, but you're probably not allowing them to eat crisps though, because you don't want to get greasy Ooh. fingers on the components. We we did a lot of researching into what foods to have at our game tables. My goodness, <laughs> <laughs> did you? 
We are one of welcome to <laughs> Welcome to Frank West's Snack Tips on We're Not Wizards. Okay, go for to it. Because this it, is just, pretzels. you know. Pretzels yeah, come is on. the best. <laughs> There's nothing better pretzels. than pretzels. Really? Yeah. Are they non-greasy? They're not. That, if you get the right ones, they're not that greasy. And, like, people enjoy them, but they don't eat too many of them. And they don't leave yeah. There's much kind of in the way of crumbs. And, oh, they're just great. You know, pretzels all the way. <laughs> I find this fascinating considering, you know, you say you were a magic player because from what I know of, magic players are very, very protective of their stuff to go to, like, double sleeving and stuff like (laughs) that of things. So to say you're quite comfortable with the whole pretzel and board game type mixture, that suggests to me it has potentially been long enough that you haven't played magic. (laughs) That's what that suggests. I I will um, let you in on the free tier system. So most of my life is based around free tiers. So with board games, I have all of my board games split into free tiers. There are the tier of games that I will take to the pub, that I will play with anyone. I will let strangers play them. There are the tier of games which I will let oh, anyone wait, play. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> we need examples. You can't just mention tiers without examples, Frank. So, um, games like um, Werewolf, oh. obviously. Um, Werewolf, yep. Saboteur. Um, yep. Pandemic, because I consider it quite a kind of cheap, easy game to kind of get hold of. <laughs> um, yes. You know, lots of games like Catan. Like, you can rip Catan up if you want. Like, I will not be upset. <laughs> Oh, okay, that's controversial. There's a lot of people here that there's love for Catan. Oh, not because it's a bad game, but just because it's always possible it's to get quite, hold of it. It's really easy to get exactly. hold of another copy of Catan, isn't it? And it's not it? I mean, expensive. I think it's potentially maybe about another five years before you start to see Catans in charity shops. Yep. Not that it's a bad thing, but I think board games kind of filter through eventually. <coughs> yeah, no, you don't I agree. see them that often. And then tier two. tier two is the, you know, I'm happy for anyone to play them and I'm not too worried if you're going to be eating snacks and stuff whilst we're playing them, but I don't want them on sticky tables. You know, it needs to be a nice table, a clean table. Generally, it's someone's home on a dining room table and that would be thing. I, I can just imagine your face just, you know, laughing your eyes out of this. And no, 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 no. That would be games like Dead of Winter where, you know. Yes, absolutely. No, no, a lot of card. Higher. But. Yeah, no, thin card there and I mean, I'm talking maybe not cloth but definitely some kind of polyvinyl covering on the table because it also helps with slippage Yep. <coughs> so when you put your various settings down like your locations for Dead of Winter then there's not going to be much slippage in terms of where the cards move Secondly, you get a decent purchase on the dice as well, so it's not that bad. But also, mm, yeah, it's the kind of discussion, do we allow drinks at the table when we're playing Dead of Winter, or do we maybe ask people to put them off to the side as well? I'm okay with drinks, but we have coasters. As long as they're on a coaster, then it's okay. I am completely with you there, brother. Let's let's coaster this up, Um, you know, just in case, because um, as we know... Um, glasses through no fault of their own potentially can end up with rings at the bottom and the last thing you want to do is you want to end up with a ring of wetness on a table that then you accidentally place a card down under watching that card sliding through that ring oh no 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 just stop that stop (laughs) otherwise I'm going to have to take a minute um Tier 1. So now, this is the interesting one. Let's hear. So Tier 1 is, of course, the games which are 
most valuable and most valuable means one of two things it either means it costs a lot of money so obviously something yes. like mechs versus minions is a high cost game but it's also have you got that? I do have that and I've played it a few times I very much enjoy it cool and other games um, which are the ones which are harder to get hold of so I have a game called 10 Minutes to Kill which I got off Kickstarter a while ago and I love it it's one of my favourite games but you know, mm-hmm. lots of people have come around to play it, and you just can't get it anywhere. And it's a cheap game, but I know if I lose it, that's it. So that's on the protected list, you know? That's a, it's a protected <laughs> list. <laughs> it's like the WWF. <laughs> you could have seen that. There's only 1,200 <clears throat> of them left in the country. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I am not one to poo-poo another man's habits when it comes to taking care of his cardboard. Let that be stated for the fact. If 10 minutes to kill is rare enough to enter into Team 1, Tier 1, we don't have to say anything else. You know you know it's rare. You know it's rare enough. Let's just, you know, let's just everybody back off and leave Frank alone. Let him have his Tier 1. Diligent. No, it's not. That's something else. <laughs> But, you know, these games, at the end of the day, they're about having fun and they're about being played. And whilst, obviously, you know, I talk about these tiers and stuff, like, I still just want to play them. You know, I don't have this kind of, you know, when you come in, you don't go through, like, one of these vacuum kind of cleaning machines that kind of make sure that you are 100% perfect. You know, accidents happen. I've had several people drop drinks on games and it's always an interesting experience. Did you let them back in? Yes, I did. My um, my favourite one you? was a gentleman who accidentally knocked over a full pint glass of Coke. And as it started tipping, he looked at it and went, oh my goodness. So he went to grab it. And in his moment of trying to grab it, he pushed it over the centre of the board and then smashed it into a million pieces. And then the entire glass just kind of fell down on the centre of the board. And everyone just kind of just it was it was awful. I mean, you can not get it. What worse. was getting played? Um, what was getting played? That was called Treasure Hunter, which was oh dear, another <clears throat> Kickstarter game. I'm not too sure how easy it is to get hold of, but that was pretty wrecked. I'm not gonna lie. Is it is it is it savable or is that <clears throat> is that destroyed now? Is that um, retired? It can just about be played, but I mean, I wouldn't want to be seen playing it in public. You know, like I'd be ashamed. <laughs> I do not do this because then you'd have to tell the story, and if the poor guy was there that did it, you know, there'd be instant guilt trips. Well, every time he came, oh, around... what? especially if you've got that social situation where somebody says, "So, what should we play? Dead or Winter? Anybody? What about that treasure hunter game that you've got, Frank?" And that oh. other guy sitting in the room, and he's just looking, and you just stare over at him, and we go. We don't play that anymore. Not um, since the incident. When we did one, when he came to playtest the City of Kings, um, which I'm very protective <laughs> of. You know, that's tier zero. Um, one of the other people oh who were there at the time turned up with a baby's bottle with the lid tightened on. <laughs> Just said, "This is for you." <laughs> oh dear! What a poor guy. That's an absolute shame. But it's quite funny. It is. That's and, brilliant. You know, I wasn't angry. It happens. I mean, I don't know about yourself, but I've been playing games for quite a few years. I've played several hundred games um, each year, and to, I, you know, just having one or two drinks spilled is is minimal comparatively. 
I know, yeah. I mean, as far as uh, it is cardboard, <coughs> it is just cardboard. I mean, if you put it into perspective, um, you know, it is quite easy. Now, I don't believe that at all. I mean, if somebody wrecks your stuff, then, you know, <laughs> they should <laughs> they should grant you their firstborn child. <laughs> there you go. Now, that's not true either. I mean, you know, live and let live. But I would stare at them for a long time, and I would also probably remind them in a sarcastic voice as often as possible. I would be the guy that probably would have turned up with a baby bottle. <laughs> yes. That's what I would have done. I would have been the guy that would have turned up with a baby bottle and went, there you go, Dave. It's the <laughs> Just best case. response to it. <laughs> his, I think his name's not Dave. We don't want his is. name. Is it? it is. Wow. I was thinking, did I say it or did you know? <laughs> did this, wow. Oh, did the, the, force, the force is strong right. this evening. I won't tell him this is um, okay. <laughs> It's all right. No, you have to tell him now that he's on. You know, he can be famous. And then next episode, when you come back, um, we can get him on at the same time. He can give us kind of like a, a an eyewitness kind of testimony to, to what actually happened. I want to know, you know, if you're a grown guy, why are you drinking Coke? Do you know what I mean? That's like, I don't know, you might as well drink liquidised brown sugar in a glass. I feel like you should put it on Board Game Geek and just put up a poll and ask people what we should do to him as a result. No, no, come on. Come on, that's not fair. Be nice, hashtag be nice to Dave. He's made his mistake. I bet he still probably wakes up in the middle of the night and and probably goes, he's probably never ever drunk Coke again and he probably doesn't look at a baby's bottle the same way again. I can imagine. <laughs> I, uh. Now, <clears throat> we've discussed tears. We've discussed tears before bedtime and <laughs> tears, um, tears of board gaming as well. Um, one of the games, um, you've mentioned Mechan Minions, which, um, is it as good as everybody says it is? Um, as a someone who would classify himself as kind of a serious, like, hardcore hobbyist who likes to play big games, I would say yeah. it's not at the top of my lists. When I play mm-hmm. a more casual game with people who play, you know, two or three board games a year kind of thing, then I would say mm. it's extremely good for that kind of level. Are the League of Legends kind of cats, are they going to like it? Because it's basically based on... The League of Legends IP, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I haven't played League of Legends, so I like I understand that the game itself plays very differently. Um, yeah, but I think that they would enjoy it. I think if they came to the board game and they gave it a try, then it wouldn't necessarily be what they expected. But I think they could enjoy it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, we shall. We'll um, we'll wait and see what um, what Santa does over the Christmas holidays uh, <laughs> with regards to mech, mechs and minions but one of the games that we mentioned in the green room and it's not a green room it's kind of beige it's kind of board um, games everywhere <laughs> there's not look there's not board games this is it's loads of fun studio. come to it come to it <laughs> no no there, there's like you know there is a spider I'll tell you look look okay look I am going to I'm going to take a photo right now okay let me just see I'm going to take a photo right now. I'm taking a photo. Wow, this is nearly as exciting as watching you try and look up the price of something. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stop borderline. It. Be nice. Be nice. Terraforming Mars. While I'm taking a photo, you can tell the good people at home, Terraforming Mars, what's that about? Who makes it? 
Do you know who makes it? <laughs> you, or my half? You have to look that I'm, one up. I'm not as so well. good at that. You've got internet as well, by the way. Do you know what I mean? This isn't all down to me. <laughs> I took my Goodness phone sake. out of the room so it wouldn't interfere with the microphone. Did so, you? Yeah, I'm good like. Oh that. really? That's really that's quite that's quite impressive. Um, no, I'm still not getting ready to kind of like take this photograph. It's rubbish. Terraforming Mars. So Terraforming Mars is quite a big kind of game at the moment it's become very popular very quickly and i enjoy it i mean as you can probably imagine the game is about terraforming mars you get cards you're basically building an engine over rounds you're building your engine more and more you're getting resources you're increasing the amount of resources you're getting you're using those to activate cards that you've played you're trying to add water to mars you're trying to increase the temperature you're trying to um, increase the oxygen levels and there's not too much kind of take that attacking each other but there's a little bit in there so you're not completely safe the whole time you can throw asteroids at each other which you know is a little bit playful I guess that's quite cool but it's so how many how many players does it um kind of um support so it's two to five and all right cool it's okay. a, a good kind of variety I the biggest problem I find that most people have with it is the first time you play it can take quite a long time and until you've played it a few times it can take quite a long time so and by a long time I'm talking three hours you know it's not quick mm. so I would tend to kind of keep to the three player area maybe the four player area um, in the game is it one of these is it one of these games where somebody's turn kind of dictates the length of the entire game essentially the more players that you have then it can extend out a game's length because you do get games which you play two players and it's over within like say 40 minutes but if you go into three players all of a sudden it can jump up to like an hour and a half just by adding in an extra player is it that kind of it's, is that kind of setup? Yes and no. I'd like to do the maths on it because <coughs> every player does add more time because you do have downtime when you're waiting for people to do their actions. But yes. with that said, the end goal is always the same. It's always increase the temperature by the same amount, increase the oxygen by the same amount, and place the same amount of water tiles. So okay. if you have two people, you both have to do a lot more to get to that end point than if you had four people. I mean, obviously, you'd have to do twice the amount of conversion per player, which means you need to go further into the game and build a bigger engine and get further into it. So I don't know if you'd end up doing twice the amount of turns, but I guess you would play longer, like you'd do more turns with less people. So it's it's not quite as extreme as every player adds more and more, but it does, like it does make it longer. Another part of it is at the start of each round you're drafting cards and in the rule book it does actually say that if you want to play it kind of quicker or the first time you play it don't draft and just deal everyone four cards and some people say that just that drafting kind of adds 30 minutes to an hour to each gameplay but okay. personally I enjoy the drafting side of it it kind of it makes it more interesting so you kind of you're taking away an interesting mechanic to speed up the gameplay So, what grabs it? Because you said because you sounded quite um, passionate in the in the green room, which I've sent you a picture of now. If you go, oh yes, state, you'll be able to see. <laughs> it's not very green. <laughs> it's not, and there is a Spider-Man picture behind there the is. laptop. 
and that's because it stops the echoing from the mic. Ah. So it's technical, <laughs> yeah. So you're not imagining <clears throat> I'm Spider-Man talking to you? Uh, yeah, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> you could be. Sometimes, but then you're just kind of like peeking over the top of the laptop, <laughs> kind of staring at me in a disapproving manner to say, you know what I mean, say something else, big shot, because I'll web you in the mouth. Um, I mean, why... Why do you like it so much? I mean, you have you said, oh, this is what I've been playing. I've been playing it a lot. To me, you strike me as the type of guy that you don't kind of suffer rubbish board games kind of much. That if something doesn't click with you, you're quite quick to maybe move on. That your time's quite precious. Is that wrong or is that No, right? completely. It's most games I will play once or twice a year maximum. And then mm. I'll play them for, you know, five years, ten years, but I won't ever play them a lot in a short period of time, and if they're rubbish I won't come back to them, but Terraforming Mars, I think I've played five or six times in the last two months which is really high for me, like that's a lot that's, of play yeah. for one game, yeah. especially given that it's, you know, three hours each time, so I think the thing... I mean that's a commitment isn't it, because I mean this isn't um, maybe sitting down and playing anything else I mean this is a kind of you know you're going to be sitting down yeah. for an entire an entire evening to kind of get this bad boy done, which is you know which is kind of impressive. Um, where did you get it from? Did you get it from Kickstarter? Um, no, I bought it from a online store, so it is out in kind of general markets. It didn't come from Kickstarter. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, it did sell out very quickly. I don't know if they've got reprints out yet or kind of a second print run, but I know it was quite hard to get hold of very, very quickly, especially in England. I don't know how it was the rest of the world, but I was quite lucky to get my copy, I think. And it's... I'm just I'm just checking. Just having a look. The f- um, going live <laughs> Back to, to the, the shopping channel. Right, I've got you no, there's nothing I've here. We're just going to leave it. <laughs> How much is it roughly? Oh, it's um, around fifty pounds. It's not well, cheap. Awesome. cheap. It's, it's not um, not cheap, cheap. No, no. But I mean, if again, if you're playing three hours a time and you're playing like four, five, six times, yeah, it pays for itself in seconds. It is, isn't it? I mean, it isn't. You know, that's kind of lack of expense. I mean, do you know what? And I've said this before on maybe four other podcasts is that if you directly compare it with, say, a video game where you'll get somebody buying a brand new video game for quite easily for 40 quid and never playing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know if you play video games at all and there'll be people out here out out there that will be, you know, they'll be buying games for even 30 quid, 20 quid, 50 quid and they'll not touch them, they'll not go near them. So um if you're paying that for a board game and you're getting lots of play out of it then that looks kind of decent. Um yeah, it looks about 50 quid. It's fine. I don't think you'll be able to get hold of it very, very <laughs> easily. It's probably, I think it's probably one of these things where it's um, it's sold out kind of everywhere until they do yeah. another reprint. I think as, another reprint will be seen. It's um, through Stronghold, and they're very aware that there's a lot of demand for it. It's very high on Board okay. Game Geek, and everyone's kind of talking about it on all the different channels, so yeah. they're going to yeah, be getting I was it less, quick. Yeah. Our boys, uh, friends of the show, Polyhedron Collider, which um, if you like um, listening to a much more professional but ramshackled <laughs> podcast, 
um, they're good guys to listen to. They were talking about um, the number of board games which now have Mars in the title. Yes. <laughs> and there seems to be, there seems to be a lot of board games that Mars seems to be the kind of the. It's the in theme this year, I think. It is the soup, the soup du jour, <laughs> as they would say, and uh, yeah, I mean you've got a temperature gauge on there. I'm just describing the board to people. Um, it's got a temperature gauge on the right hand side. And it's a big circle in the middle which is made up of hexes. And then on the left hand side there appears to be um, another little gauge which I can't tell what that is. And then round it all there is a there's a points tracker. So is it quite Euro gamey then? Yeah, Frank? very much so. I mean it is a Euro game. It's an engine building, your getting a resource, converting that resource to spend that resource on other stuff and Hmm. on your turn you're doing two actions which is playing two cards or activating a card and playing a card and so on. There's no guy running around on a board, there's no dice, it's just do actions, activate things, get your income, buy more stuff, place more stuff. I find it hard to describe it because it's a bit different to a lot of the games I've played and I feel uncomfortable kind of labelling it because I'm not quite sure exactly what area I would put it in. I find more and more these days games are just becoming harder and harder to categorise because games are trying to be more than just one thing. And don't we just love that about them? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Don't we just absolutely love them about them? So do you find yourself doing a lot of Kickstarter then? Um, yeah, I guess probably too much. I think I've backed about 140 games. So, is that too much? <laughs> no, 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 that's never, t- there's never ever too much. Um, that's, that's a decent, that's a decent number over, a, yeah, I mean, definitely over maybe a five year period. That's a good, that's a good, good number. Is it less than five years? Yeah, I yeah. guess, just a bit. <laughs> I, you know, do you know what I mean? I know people that, you know, go out and I'm not going to judge anybody based on what they do goodness sake I'm not that type of guy um, so for me I'll, I'll, I'll let you off here I went to Amsterdam so I um, I'm a consultant or I was a consultant and I used to work in different places and I had to go to work in Amsterdam for three months so whilst I was in Amsterdam I was staying in a hotel um, four nights a week I would go there at 4am on a Monday morning flight come back at midnight on a Thursday night flight and during those few evenings whilst I was there I didn't really find myself with much to do and because I was only a bit extra for being in Amsterdam I kind of said to myself I'm going to save half of this money and then I'm going to spend the other half of the money on things I like because (laughs) I want to enjoy it. So over that period of three months, I think I backed every single thing that was on Kickstarter, game or not game. (laughs) And ever since, a random package turns up every week and I never know what it is and I always open it. That's fantastic. Literally my own secret Santa every week. It's a surprise. It's something I want, but what is it? That is like an advent calendar for the entire year. I, I love previous me like whoever i was back then he made the right decision that's for sure <laughs> just went, just went like that. to hell with it <laughs> i'm gonna back everything or my name's not frank west and my goodness did some so, rubbish turn up <laughs> <laughs> or not turn up there's bound to be one or two which are still sitting there with kind of like the updates being uh, guys i know we've not spoken to you for a while but Here's the updates just to let you know that we're still thinking about, you know, putting the board game together and that. And folk are just like, 
I want a refund. I actually had I want a refund. Orcs must I want a refund turn up today, which is the was the oldest, most outstanding overdue game I had. So that was due in February, I think, this year. So All right. um, that was a nice surprise to finally turn up. So I'm going to have to look to see what my next game is to complain about. I think I've got one that's been waiting for like a year and a half now. I've been pretty lucky. I think ten months isn't I too bad. I think. Colin, um, who, uh, Colin's been waiting for his version of um, Quartermaster General. He backed the latest... 1914 version so he's still waiting for that but I'm going to leave that <laughs> for him to talk about wow. that on the um, on. Um, it's probably out already the, you would have heard it, him having a little chat about what he thinks about not getting Quartermaster General <laughs> it's not bad, it is a lot of me kind of laughing at him and him getting kind of angry but I think um, there is a game, I'm just going to check let's scroll back again, this is really really good um, listening stuff for people who are going what are these guys doing tonight are they just you know we're not moving on so one thing we have to talk about and the reason we're here oh, oh I know this one to get round it, getting round to it after like let's look at the clock we've probably been going for almost an hour and we still haven't talked about while you're here in the first place and I'm sad to say that we've ran out of time for oh, that's, a that's, shame. Awful. that's a shame. I'm only joking, that's just no no no, let's keep it going. <laughs> I'll just this hang up. Fantastic. It's <laughs> 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 not even gonna say bye, you have to invent an ending. So it's a goodbye from me. Bye. And it's a goodbye from Frank. Um Paulie uh, you were speaking to has hung up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Please redial. <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah. City of Kings. Yes. Wow. Where did that come from? I mean, you have, and we've already kind of established that you are a lover of all things cardboard. So where do you go from being a lover of something to saying, listen, if these guys can do it, then I can do it. So where did you, how did you make that jump? So luckily we've already set this up. So about, I don't know, what was an hour ago when we were talking about how I got into all of this, I mentioned how... I wanted to make a game and I wanted to make a video game and I spent a few years trying to make video games and I tried to do it seriously I mean I quit my job and went and worked on one full-time for a while it didn't work out for various reasons and then I kind of gave up on that and just knew you know I could never make a video game and as I got more into board games I started to discover strange stuff so for example I played Forbidden Desert, which introduced me to the concept of kind of cooperative games. I played mm -hmm. Eclipse that has this huge character sheet in front of you that gives you all of these different calculations and stats and statistics about what you're doing. I played Dead of Winter, which gave you the ability to choose how long you want to play for and what difficulty you want to play for. And the more I played these games, the more I started thinking, these are things that are kind of video game things that are kind of in board games and I sat down one day and said I think I can make that video game I always wanted to make but as a board game and that was pretty much the starting point it was a one by one thinking about all the things I wanted to do in that video game and how I could convert them into a cardboard kind of form so over time I slowly kind of worked out how I'd want it to work and when I was in Amsterdam all that time ago, I started to write notes on the plane in my notebook, which was in 
June 2015, I believe, and sketching out some of thoughts about how some of it could work. And then over those few months, I put a prototype together, and that was the starting point. So what's that about? I'm not sure. I mean, that's, that's hard to answer. You've seen how bad I am at describing other games. So. <laughs> Your own game, your own small baby, your little cardboard child. So it's a cooperative fantasy adventure challenge, is how we refer to it. And effectively, you the world has been destroyed. The Lord Vesh has come along, he has raised his armies, he has destroyed the lands, and every city has been wiped out. Everyone has been killed. You know in like Lord of the Rings when they go and say, hey, there's this big army down in that cave. We should go and stop it before something bad happens. This is kind of like, they got there too late and all the bad stuff happened. So everything's been wiped out. And a few people have kind of survived by retreating. They've been in battles. They've run back. They've been in battles. They've run back. And they all finally retreated to the City of Kings which is an ancient city that was created by the Fallen, who were the first race. And the point of the game starts where the few leaders who are in the city have decided, we, we have to try something. We have to have one more shot of fighting back, because otherwise these armies are going to come to us, and that's going to be it. So you take the role of these heroes, and there's six to choose from. You can choose which one you want, and as you leave the city, you explore a modular board, turning over tiles, you encounter other survivors, you will be doing quests to help them, you'll be gathering resources, chopping down trees to get wood, you control your hero and you have workers, so your workers are resource gatherers, you can use them to trade for items, you can use them to repair structures and buildings that you find, and you adventure out following this story-driven kind of game. So each time you play, there's a different story. There are seven stories in total, and each one is a whole game session. And the story sets your objective, and you have to play through it. So I can't tell you what the objective of the game is, because it's to complete the stories, and to tell you that would be spoiling it. How long is it going to take to play? That Based on your talking... Uh, and I'll... I'll give you the reasoning for the question, okay? We have discussed Eclipse. Yes. <laughs> which you said 11 hours, 10 hours, that's not a problem at all. Yeah, that's nothing. We've yeah. obviously, <laughs> you know, we've obviously also um, moved on um, to discuss kind of like terraforming Mars, which is a great deal shorter. Um, what, where are you thinking about this is going to sit in the terms of the, the kind of the numbum? kind of scale <laughs> so the immediate answer is two to four hours however right that range is based on the people playing so this is amongst other things a role-playing game where you'll be telling stories you'll be kind of acting stuff out and playing around and that's kind of all optional, but it's generally what people get into. So if you think of kind of D&D players, a lot of the people mm-hmm. who have playtested this have been D&D players, and they just love getting into character and acting and role-playing. And of course, because they're doing that, it adds a lot of time onto the game. Whilst other more kind of Euro-based gamers, they'll come in and yes. they'll play in 90 minutes to two hours. Yeah, they want the mechanics and they want exactly. to understand the mechanics. And a lot of Euro gamers... Euro gamers, that's a, that's a <laughs> and a lot of Euro game players 
rather, that's not a website. Um, they like to learn how to win the game under their terms as quickly as possible, which is what we've seen. I mean, a good, a good Euro gamer can be very, very good, but can also be very, very quick in terms of turnaround to like a forty-five hour, you know, forty-five exactly. minute hour long kind of game, kind of thing. In terms of content. Is it tiles? Is it data sheets? Are there miniatures? I mean, I've got... A, how big is the box going to be, Frank? <laughs> so the box is going to be similar to the Scythe box or Power Grid box, Ooh, twice as really? thick. It's a big box game. There's a lot to it and there is a lot of play in it. So it's not a legacy game but it's very close to a legacy game. And each time you play it, the board will be changing, the tiles will be changing, everything you encounter will be different. So it will be as if you're playing seven completely different games that are based around the same core mechanics. So is that based around the story? Does the story define yes. what tiles you place? And so it's a tight, you've got tile games, you've got tiles to place. Is there miniatures involved? So at the moment, we're not going down the miniature route just because... We feel that A, our artwork is very, very high quality and the addition of miniatures will just add price. And while some people I'm sure would appreciate having miniatures, we don't feel the game needs it. So the miniatures will come as a optional, like self-standing expansion at a later date, but the yeah. base product yeah. won't include them. It's easy to justify it because... Um... <clears throat> And I would advise anybody that um, that is listening to this to go and take a look at the website um, and have a look at some of the artwork that's on display because it is, I mean, and I'm not just saying this to be nice for Frank because I've not really given Frank a lot of kind of like, you know, I've not been nasty to Frank, I don't <laughs> think. Um, what do you say, Frank? No, no not, not really. Not, not uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> But the artwork on the game, <laughs> exactly. Let me out. Why did I say yes to this? Um, the artwork's stunning on it. Um, I remember seeing it kind of um, again. I saw it on kind of like the UK Kickstarter group, um, and it is it is lovely. I mean, who's have you got? Is it have you got a couple of people working on the artwork? Is there a particular designer that you've you've ended up finding for this? So this is where it's interesting the short the short answer mm. of that is there's a guy called miguel who does the drawing i think the, the slightly bigger answer which is what i like to give because miguel is great he's amazing but i feel like this this has to be explained when the opportunity is given this game and the world it is a world it's more than a game we've sat down and we spent a lot of time designing a world that multiple games can sit in and by multiple games, I don't mean expansions. I mean different games that fit in at different points in history of this world. And to achieve this, we've had writers, we've had artists, we've had lots of different people from different industries working together to create this world. So each character is created by multiple people like we come up with a concept we come up with a story we come up with the reasoning behind we do research into the kind of things people want to see the kind of things people don't want to see we obviously take our personal taste into opinion so by the time a piece gets into the artwork 
it's already very fleshed out. It's already very well described. So the art process is a team effort in my eyes, but Miguel is the guy who then takes that and puts it into the pieces that you see. And it's fantastic looking. I'm oh. not just saying that. I mean, I, I'm saying that from the point of view that I as I'm drawer, so I do art as well. Okay. And some of the stuff that I've seen, I've seen a lot of Kickstarter art where it's good um, and there is a big difference between some art I've seen and others I've seen, but this is very, very good, the stuff that's being turned out at the moment. And it's enticing and I think one of the, well, I think as I've, you know, one of the things that I've said, <laughs> you know, is that the reason that we're talking now and one of the reasons that got me, you know, thinking, well, yeah, I want to talk to this guy was that particular artwork of one of the the characters that you put <laughs> out there and I was like well if this is the kind of the quality then this is very very interesting from an art point of view it's also a very brave thing to be putting out a game without miniatures because for some reason um people it's like miniatures or death kind yeah. of thing. No, I which agree. Which is kind of a strange. It's kind of a strange thing because, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you have on the board. It doesn't make a difference to the. I guess it can make the world more or less, kind of immersive. But if the art's there, um, if the mechanics are there, if the story's there, you could be using meeples and sticking them on the board and still have the same, the same kind of a, same kind of effect. So, in terms of games, because you mentioned, you've said, well, we've got a world here. We're not just building a game, we're building a gaming world which is going to hopefully bring on other games as well. How many of you, how many do you, how many of you got up the, the sleeves oh, waiting to kind of being shown? There's, in terms of actually other finished games that are ready to go, zero. In mm. terms of other games which are pretty thought out and have a fairly good idea of where they're going to be and how they're going to work. I would say probably three to five. And in terms of ideas and other stuff we would like to explore, then yeah. I mean, 20 plus, like it's just an ever growing list. Because every time we sit down and we create this world and we do more in this world, it sets mm. more thoughts going. You know, it's this horrific, constant, like growing bubble of, oh, we could do this with this or we could do that with this. A good example yeah. is. <clears throat> One of our main characters in this game is called Brutius. He's the human king, and his father yeah. has disappeared, and no one knows where he is. So, you know, right, okay. straight away we're like, well, we know what happened to his father. We can make a game about that. Actually, all this kind of mechanic could work really nicely with this, and this could work really nicely yeah. with that. And within a couple of days, we had a prototype floating about around the story of his father kind of 20 years ago. And these things just, you know, bubble up. And some of them are rubbish. Some of them are good. But Do you, I mean, in playing... Sorry to interrupt. But you in playing the different genre games that you do, has that made you think, well, listen, I don't just want to produce, you know, five or six kind of miniature... You know, I mean, five or six kind of character-based role-playing games. I might look at, you know, something which is solely kind of resource management or I might look at a card game or I might look at, you know, something along those lines. 100%. I mean, we had a <clears throat> I mean, we had a chat with um Eldra um which you know will be out by now, but one of the things that they're doing is they're taking the Catacombs kind of universe 
and they're introducing kind of a combat game. They're introducing something that's lighter than their dexterity game. And they're also pushing forward into almost like a card game yeah. kind of genre. So with you thinking about that, are you just thinking, well, it's not going to be like, say, what's an I guess it's not going to be like Warhammer, where, yes, you have all these different ideas, but fundamentally it's a skirmish game. Or it's not even going to be maybe like, say, Eclipse or Zombie Side, where you've got the core mechanics, but you just, it's almost like you're not reskinning a game, but you introduce slightly new mechanics, but the core gameplay's still there. You, you kind of, I'm not being able to put words in your mouth, but you just thinking, well, what can I do with this world rather than just doing the same thing? Is that where you're going with this? I want to introduce as many people as possible to the City of Kings universe, and uh-huh. I want to make as many different types of games that I think that I am capable of doing well. So, to give you a good example, the next game, which I imagine will be a second game, like obviously there's no signed off kind of decisions yet, is a game that's based about 50 years before this game and it's based in the caverns where Lord Vesh ran off to where he created his armies and you are playing the captured people who are in those caverns trying to escape and it's a prison escape game it takes 15 to 20 minutes to play it's just cards it's 3 to 12 players and some of you are playing Vesh's kind of guards the rest of you are playing the prisoners and you're trying to escape Whilst doing that, you're telling that part of that story, but it's as far away from RPG as you can imagine. I mean, it sounds like you have, you're getting to the point where you were that, you know, with the boy that, you know, or the young man, sorry, that put together that Egyptian (laughs) kind of board game is coming full circle and is kind of getting into his own, own type stride. Um, <clears throat> which is good, which is fantastic. Have you? I mean, the when is the Kickstarter going to be launching? I mean, is there a date? Is there a plan? Is that set in stone? So one thing I hear time and time again, and I'm sure with you having listened to like your interviews with Kevin and Peter and everyone else recently, there's mm. always this common sentence, which is we needed to get our Kickstarter live on this day and the last few days were so rushed. You know, I think Kevin was saying about how the audio guy was sick for their video or something, you know, and <laughs> Peter was so saying that like, he was out of the country the week before or something. And it's just... Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to do that to myself. I have spent years of my life in my head designing this game and two years of real time designing this game. I have spent... I mean, you say the artwork is good. The artwork has been worked on for about 12 to 18 months now. You know, no, the, art, the artwork is stunning. Each character, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. Each character yeah. takes six weeks of time to design and create. It's not a yeah. quick process. So no, I know no. that the Kickstarter will launch in the first quarter of 2017. So the first three months. In my head, yeah. I am pretty confident I know what date it's going to be. But until everything is done, until the Kickstarter page is finished and the video is finished and all of the stuff is on there and all of the preview videos and review videos have been done, we're not going to commit to a specific date because we want to get it right. We want to produce yeah. the best quality like launch no, no. that we can. No, and I think you know um, one of the one of the 
one of the topics that keeps cropping up again and again and again is that with the likes of, say, you know, your cool mini and not so this world, you know, Mantic games, I mean, even El, you know, guys like Elra kind of, you know, with companies kind of setting very, very high bars for what people expect when it comes to just Kickstarter campaigns, you, you can't you can't get away with a couple of photographs of the games anymore. You can't get away with an introductory video. People are expecting, you know, sometimes people are expecting gameplays, they're expecting, you know, explanations of the rules, they're expecting a very, very beautiful looking kind of Kickstarter page with wonderful graphics on it. So in that case, that's raised the game. In that case, you know, has that stopped some people from launching their games on Kickstarter? Potentially. It definitely scares people. Like, it's terrifying. Th- yeah, absolutely. No, no, I mean, I think, you know, when you see a bar set that high, and if people are saying, well, I just wanted to make a... F- I just wanted to make a board game. I didn't really realise <laughs> I had to make a... You know, I, I didn't realise I had to make a... You know, graphics for the page. I didn't realise I had to make a a five-minute introductory instructional video. I didn't realise I had to then, you know, get three or four guys' video reviews on there as well. I mean, it can be quite a... And the guys I've spoken to, you can hear that, that, you know, it is you plan, I want to make a board game, I want people to be interested in the board game, I want people to back the board game. This whole other additional extra stuff sometimes can catch people a little bit awry. And it's even kind of like... the even the the kind of the guys that have got a lot of experience on Kickstarter. I mean, it's still you know there's still um, there's lots of changes, yeah. and you see people having to adapt, or otherwise it for some reason it can take a hit on the on the kind of the the funding. So, um, have you got a kind of a rough idea, a ballpark for the price of the first game? Then? I wish I could say yes. Um, I know. <laughs> Six months ago, I got a quote on how much it was going to cost to produce the game. And I, from that, obviously got an idea of how much we could produce the game for and therefore what the price would be. A few things have changed since then, and I requested an updated quote about eight weeks ago, which I was meant to get two weeks ago, and I still haven't received yet. And because of that, and obviously with the huge changes of the value of the pound and the dollar and everything else over the last six months, it makes it very hard to know what that current price point's going to be. I would say my assumption is it's going to be somewhere around the 50 to 60 pound mark. It's definitely not going to be at the cheaper end of the tier, but obviously if we can have it cheaper, we will. Yeah, but then you're you know you sound like you're confident in the product. So I mean, completely. Let's face it. Uh, you know, if um, you know there are people that are putting on um, games. Okay, we'll look at it this way. Yeah, if cool, say again, cool mini or not, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bad way because cool mini or not, I have you know I've backed a couple of things and they're good company. But nowadays, if they stick a if they stick a project on, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, if they stick a project on at a hundred dollars. I'm thinking twice about it, yeah, because the exchange rate is taking that up to like eighty nine pounds. So that is almost kind of like that is a big chunk for a game, potentially. 
if you say to me 50 60 pounds well that was the exchange rate for a hundred dollar cool mini or not game or manta game or whatever you know say eight nine months ago so to me that's not that's not a bad that's not a bad area to be I guess to be kind of saying and I think and you don't know you know it's not it's not a final amount as I say you're still waiting on quotations and people I, I suggest people have a look on the site and have a look at what you've done so far because uh, I think um, they'll it'll certainly pique their pique their interest um, and as we get more information we'll make people aware of it as you know as per as per normal. Um, for Pete, I mean, is there? Have you got like a pitch line that you would say to people if somebody said to you, you know, why, why should I consider going ahead and looking at, you know, even considering back in your game? What would you say to folk, Frank? So I always look at them and I wonder who they are, and then I respond depending <laughs> on who I think they are. <laughs> it's it's interesting actually. So I'm gonna swear away from your question for a second so one thing which I have done throughout this project is I have tested every single thing a million times so I do something I put it out there our rule book is on version 14 we do two or three versions a week we are chucking it out getting feedback getting it back all of our icons went up onto a website where we just asked people to tell us what they thought the icons were so the one-liner for the game we are still testing until we get to a point where we have to set it we change it and we ask people and we test it so it's constantly changing the the generic line that we always put is the city of kings is a tactical role-playing board game for one to four players where your character is tasked with exploring the hazarded world trading for vital resources and battling your enemies whilst uncovering a story of world imperiled and have you read that, or did that sounds like it came from the back of your mind? It's <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> it here must and there. Be. <laughs> this room I mean, must... is full of stuff and notes and things all over. So. <laughs> and board games, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and board and, and plenty of board games. Um, I mean, we will, as I say, we'll keep people up to date as 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 we um, as we hear more. If people have listened tonight and they've went you know apart from Richard talking nonsense as usual that sounds rather <laughs> interesting what Frank is talking about how would they um, how would they keep in contact with you how would they stay, stay in touch oh. with uh, with what you guys are doing however they want to we are on every single thing you can possibly imagine so well tell we us tell us how frank on instagram we do regular photos of our gaming and playtesting sessions on twitter and we do yeah our regular tweeting of what we're doing at the time on facebook we okay. do big announcements and on youtube we do game designer videos all four of those you can find us as tcok game and then we are on Google Plus. If anyone's heard of that, you know I don't know what that is. Um, our website yeah. is thecityofkings.com, where you can sign up for the yeah. newsletter, and we send out updates every couple of months about everything that's happened. And we're on Board Game Geek in the work in progress area, where if you want to come and just talk about game design, you can come and see the full history of the game for the last 18 months we've been posting about it and you can give us feedback and come and join the discussion there sounds like a plan um and if you know obviously um yeah i mean as i say 
um, we'll we'll make sure that all of these little things are put in the show notes so we have notes to show as we say um i i've really enjoyed this don't know it's about you it's been good it's been fun i've had a bit of fun a lot of laughing yeah, it's all well, you know, you've got to have a little bit of laughing. I feel like um, at my expense, but also a bit at Dave's expense. So, no, you know. <laughs> no, 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 Dave. You know, God bless you, Dave. There was very little at your expense. Like, I'm not going to disrespect my guests because I appreciate every single person that comes on, except for Brian Wade. <laughs> um, he knows who he is. He'll be listening to this and he'll be like, ah, name dropped twice in the same episode. <laughs> yes, you have been. Um for people who want to keep an eye on an, an eye, a nose and an ear on what we're doing, we are also all over Tinternet. And uh, if you want to see us on Twitter, you just go to We're Not Wizards. If you want to find us on Instagram, We're Not Wizards. If you want to go to the website, you can go to wearenotwizards.com. We are also on Facebook if you search for We're Not Wizards. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Acast and Podly. <laughs> If you search for We Are Not Wizards, um, you can email us, though, though Frank did. I did email you, and the response I got was horrible. You did? What's that? Oh, right, okay, yeah. Don't email him, it's horrible. Yes. What's that? Don't email him, I was. you mean? It's I was, I got, I got an email from you, and um, I was absolutely horrible on it <laughs> I wasn't mean to I think you said you were a wizard <laughs> looking for an adventure <laughs> and I basically said I'll, fa- I'll tell you what because I've got because it gives me a chance to publicly apologise for <laughs> potentially getting you to kind of like turn around and go what a muppet I'm not speaking to him <laughs> but you said a really really nice email an introductory email saying you know who you were and you were doing this and you know you were a wizard who was looking for an adventure. And I came back and I said, Frank, <coughs> sorry, we don't allow wizards on the podcast. Come back when you clean that magic off your face, put on some trousers, burn that robe, and stick that staff back in the umbrella rack where it belongs. Kind regards. <laughs> they weren't that kind. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I sent one and then I sat. I think I sat for about twenty seconds and went. I better send another email. <laughs> but then you're here. I am. I so, am. <laughs> well, probably after like the grovelling apology that you got after that. But yeah. So if if you would like, well, the thing is, you said you were a wizard, and that's my trigger word. Anyway. Um, you know, if you're going to come out with that, then what do you expect? I'm going to respond and say no. Go away. Um, <laughs> listen, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, it's been great. It's been a pleasure to be uh, here. Yeah, this has been, you know, this has been a lot of fun, and it's good to learn about. It's always good to learn about new games. Um, and again, if you are down Frank's way and you fancy an eleven-hour game of Eclipse, I'm sure he'd sort you out. But there is only well, there's two things to do, and the one thing is just to remember that we are many things. But we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Frank? We are definitely not wizards. You absolutely you class. Apparently. Class. <laughs> Fantastic. Um You were afraid of that, weren't you? <laughs> I, w- 
I was thinking there's a potentiality we might have Wade too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but all that's left to do is to say, um, you know, a goodbye from me. Um, so goodbye, stay safe, roll sixes, um, get on that City of Kings website and have a look because it's fantastic looking. And it's a goodbye from Frank. Goodbye, guys. And uh, we shall speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye.